the Ticats Audio Network. This is Speaking with the Enemy. All right, we're still about 30 minutes away from kickoff at uh, Tim Hortons Field where the Ticats getting set to take the BC Lions. And uh, we're exchanging stories here. Uh, stories we'll say for, for off the air uh, with Bob Marjanovic here. <laughs> no, <laughs> because, well, we'll get into all it. All right, sure. Well, we'll just, it's the G-rated version, <laughs> all right? All right, the G-rated version. So make a long story <laughs> short. Yeah. Clean it up for radio. Andy Fantuz, you know, I'm, I'm, we're at the Super Bowl and I'm, we're at the, uh, the Snoop Dogg uh, party. It was a Playboy party and Snoop yeah. Dogg was... Uh, the, the main act that night, and we're kind of standing out in the, the area there, just close to the stage, and kind of bump into this guy, and we start chatting. Oh, Andy, where are you from? Oh, can't, I'm, can't, oh Andy Fantuz. Oh, <laughs> you know, and then we uh, we kind of had a you know nice little chat, and then somehow, some way, um, I got uh, I got to know one of the guys from the the entourage in Vancouver. Yeah. His name was Max Sean One Hundred. He's a rapper, and he walks out with Snoop Dogg's entourage. So it's like. Max Sean, he's like, hey, how you doing? And like, you know, next thing you know, I'm on stage. And, you know, Fantu's like, he's a big shot. He probably doesn't <laughs> even remember the incident because he meets so many people and he's always getting, you know, posing for pictures and signing autographs and kissing babies. He didn't even remember when I brought up the story. Wow, it was fun uh, being there, just me, me, Bob, and Snoop. And, uh, yeah, it was a late night, you know. It was uh, uh, when you get it to, when they go to the Super Bowl, it becomes yeah. things kind of blend together. But try wor- try working the Super yeah. Bowl and going out every night and talking about things <laughs> blending together. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Super Bowl is a different animal. We're hosting the Grey Cup here, of course, in just uh, just over a month, and uh, it's 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 set to be a great time. Moj, what are the chances that the BC Lions are here on December twelfth, representing the West in the Grey Cup? Um, you do know I. Do the play-by-play oh, for the yes, team. Oh yes, right? yes. That's why you're here on speaking <laughs> with the enemy. So uh... I would, I would, you know, I'd say very slim chances. I mean, this team has shown flashes, but to, to get to the Grey Cup, you need to be consistent. And right now, they haven't shown that consistency. From you know, never mind game to game, quarter to quarter, right? So it, it's been a tough year. Yet at the same time, you know, Andy knows that you know the fine line between winning and losing in the CFL. If they have a field goal kicker, they could be seven and four right now. Instead, they're four and seven. It's been a tough year with, uh, with the, at the quarterback position, especially with the start of the year. And, and now it seems like Riley's kind of finding his groove. But, um, you know, you take – it seems like a team that gets a lot of the long balls to me. And like, yeah. if you take those away, is it, is it a team that you think can march down the field consistently against a Tiger Cat defense like this? Well, well a couple of points come to mind. Number one, uh, yeah, they, they do like going for the home run. When Lucky Whitehead was out of the lineup, you saw how that impacted the BC offense. They haven't necessarily established a running game all year long. And if you talk to people within the organization, they say, well, we're running RPOs. We're just passing off of that, right? So that's what you hear. Um, But, yeah, you're right. They haven't been able to be one of those offenses that can, you know, grind out the clock. And they had opportunities this year in a couple of games where if they did have a running game and they were able to grind out the clock, maybe they beat a Saskatchewan, right? So... It's been difficult that way. And the other thing kind of that I'll throw into the mix when it comes to the offense is it's just right now this team needs to somehow, some way establish a running game and make opponents respect that running game, and they haven't been able to do that. And when they become one-dimensional, it's it's awfully difficult for them, and we saw that in the last few weeks when you know teams like Winnipeg were putting points on the board or Calgary, and they became a one-dimensional team, and they just couldn't do anything offensively. We saw Butler have, uh, I mean, I guess for him, a kind of a breakout game in Toronto last week. I think he finished the game with 69 yards, and, and they, they tried to get something going. But back to that game in Toronto, it, it did seem to kind of encapsulate 
what the BC Lions season has been. Like you had mentioned it, really, the consistency from quarter to quarter wasn't there. If they had a consistent kicker all year, you know, maybe it's a different story with a different record. Is that is that a fair statement to say when you look at that 60 minutes, it, it kind of sums up what the Lions have done almost all season? Yeah, and, and you know, you, you look at their defense. Here's the other thing, too, and Rick Campbell's talked about this quite a bit. Their defense has almost had that old Rich Stubler bend but don't break mentality, and, and they've given up yards, and for the first six or seven games, they were doing pretty well defensively. They weren't giving up touchdowns. You know, they had good numbers, so to speak. And then they had that stretch where they kind of, things went off the rails. But even during that time, one of the things that's happened with this Lions defense, and you'll see it again probably tonight, they've had opponents pinned deep in their territory, say the 20-yard line or the 30-yard line or the 15, whatever. And they can't get that two and out, right? They allow the team to march the ball, say, to the 50 or their own 40, try a field goal or punt it. And now the Lions are faced with a long field going the other way. So that's one thing that Rick Campbell has talked about with this team as well. As good as they're playing defensively, sometimes they have to do a lot better in terms of getting off the field and having those two and outs. Yeah, every first down counts, and uh, and we know that well here in Hamilton when they've had their offensive struggles. That that's that's how they stay in the games and and uh, and can end up with a victory at the end of the day. Um, we obviously haven't seen the BC Lions play in person yet this year. What can you tell us about this uh, Williams kid, at middle linebacker? He has been absolutely phenomenal. Uh, we went up to training camp in Kamloops, and you know um, when guys are talking about numbers and. You talk to a couple of guys. Usually, you know what it's like. You talk to the vets. Who's sticking out for you, right? And Joel Figueroa at 21, he moves around a lot, right? So even the veterans noticed early how mobile he is, how uh, active to the football he is, flies around to the football. And there was some concern, I guess, given the fact that he hadn't played competitive football, what, in three or four years? So, you know, he's literally coming in off the street having not played for three years, and he's just he hasn't missed a beat. He's been absolutely phenomenal. He and Bola Combo have given him outstanding Canadian <laughs> linebacking. Uh, Brian Burnham always seems to step up against the Hamilton Tiger Cats. I was going through some of his stats against the Tiger Cats the last few seasons. He had two touchdowns uh, in a game uh, in 2019. He had that big uh, touchdown and the convert to set up a, a big win in BC back in 2018. Does he? Does he – does he rise up for these games against the Tide Cats or, I, or what? I think Brian Burnham just rises up and competes every game, right? Yeah. I mean, when you look at what he does, Julio Caravetta, our color guy, he always talks about the fact he just can't – he's amazed at what Burnham can do in, in the air to contort his body to catch a football. And if you watch him, he's not really going to get that much separation. But if there's a 50-50 ball – and he's got a pretty good shot at it. Usually he winds up making some sort of acrobatic catch, twisting in the air, and somehow getting a foot down. So that's the one thing about Burnham's game that's just amazing is his ability to, to win those 50-50 balls. With him, it's more like 80-20. <laughs> well, you know, you're, you know, a guy like Michael Riley is going to love a receiver like that, uh, mm -hmm. and, and especially when he likes to kind of throw up those 50-50 balls so often. So, uh, yeah, Burnham's been doing it for years, and he's uh, you know at the top of the league, and he continues to show why he's and that. the other thing, too, that I'll add, getting Lucky Whitehead really helps Burnham. And it helps all the other receivers because he can take the defense vertically. They, when they played Winnipeg and Whitehead was out of the lineup, I mean, Brandon Alexander, their safety, was coming downhill all night long. There was no fear. And Rick Campbell told us after the game, right now our offense doesn't have a fear element in it. And getting Whitehead back gives them that fear element. And all of a sudden now you've got to respect that threat because, like I said, without Whitehead, especially against Winnipeg. Brandon Alexander couldn't care less about what was happening behind him. He just kept flying up to the football all day long. 
I mean, to that point too. I mean, Dominic Grimes is a, is a he's a thousand yard receiver. I mean, it flew under the radar because yeah. it was Ottawa in 2019. But how do you feel like they? It seemed like they were trying to get him going in in Toronto. Do you feel like that's another target that you think Riley regularly looks for a little bit more often tonight? Yeah, and, and it's difficult with with him because he got hurt in the second game of the season in Ottawa. Yeah. And as a result, Riley hasn't been able to develop any rhythm with him over an extended period of time. He wasn't even practicing for a few weeks with that ankle. So hopefully you get him back in the lineup now. And just to tell you what they think of Rhymes is that Devere Posey, who I think is a pretty good receiver, um, yeah. is not even on the active roster right now, right? They brought Rhymes on and took Posey off. So that tells you a little bit about what they think of Rhymes. Nice, yeah. A lot of changes in the kicking game, uh, both at kicker and, and returning the kicks. So have you been to practice? Have you seen these guys yeah. uh, live? What? Tell uh, us a little bit. Quadri Henderson is a kid from Pitt. He has the all-time record at Pitt for returns for touchdowns with seven. Lions made a bunch of signings probably about a month ago, and I asked you, Roy Simon, I said, out of these guys, who do you think can make an impact? He said Henderson. One of the issues with getting Henderson on the roster was that Rainey was the backup running back. But since they got Jamal Lyles back, now Lyles can slide in as a backup running back, and Henderson can be the return guy. They were getting nothing out of Rainey the last three, four games, like just nothing. So um, we'll see what Henderson can do tonight. We're excited to see what he can do. Um, Nick Vogel's the kicker. Um, if he's as good as the other University of Alabama Birmingham product that the Lions had a couple of years ago, namely Ty Lawn, I think they'll be pretty happy, right? So Vogel, uh, a funny story, he was working out here by himself. He couldn't, I think today's the first day that he can be with his teammates, Yeah. right? He's cleared COVID protocol, but Neil McAvoy, the, uh, the co-GM of the Lions was telling me that, you know, here's, he says, you know, he's, he's talking to him after his workout and Vogel's like, man, he goes, I don't know what's going on. He goes, usually I boot the ball out of the end zone. And like here, I'm only getting like like four or five yards deep in the end zone. And Neil's like, well, you do know that the end zones are 20 yards deep. And you do know that the Canadian field is 110 yards rather than 100. So Vogel quickly did the math, and I think he was okay after that. But, you know, he was like, Neil said he was like really down, right? He's like... I, can't, I don't know what's going on, right? I'm, like, kicking it to the goal line. Well, a little different Nothing. size of the field. Nothing hurts your confidence yeah. like than that. Perry's uh, got a great leg, though. Moj, real quick, before we let you go, in one sentence, the BC Lions will win this game if – finish that sentence. If they get some short fields and if they get some big plays. All right. We'll be watching. Moj, thanks for doing this. Appreciate it. Hey, that. great stuff. Have Anytime. a great call. That's uh, Speaking with the Enemy. Coming up next, we'll do our Car Star Keys to Victory in today's starting lineups before we hand it over to RJ and Luke. You're listening to Hamilton Tiger Cats pregame, presented by Active Green and Ross on the Tiger Cats Audio Network.